One of the problems with having little ears is it's hard to get the microphone to stay on your head. Um, and don't look too hard, they're actually little. So I've had a lot of people tell me that over the years after I mention it, and they go, oh, they're really small, yeah. Last week, Randy introduced the seven imperatives, uh, which is a large word for commands. Um, and this week, uh, we will be looking at one of these imperatives of Psalm 100. So if you have it, um, and would stand with me as we read Psalm 100. Well, let's pray. Father God, we, th- we pray and, and thank you this morning for the opportunity to come and to worship. And we ask that you would open up your word to our eyes, that we would see what you have for us, Lord. Um, thank you for your words to us and ask that you would uh, use them in a mighty way this morning, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, This is Psalm 100. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good, his steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. This is God's inspired word for us this morning, so you may be seated. Now this morning, the, the imperative that we'll be looking at is this um, imperative that's found in verse 2, which is serve the Lord with gladness. Now, if you do a, um, a look up on this word serve, in Hebrew, you can translate this uh, several ways. Um, one of the ways that this can be translated um, is to worship. Uh, serve can be translated to worship. And another way it can be translated is work. So service can equal worship. It can equal work. It can equal labor. Uh, this is a term that's used for servants or slaves, uh, servants to a master. If you think when Jesus is talking about that no man can serve two masters, you can serve God or you can serve money. That's the, that's the word that we're looking at here. It's to, to serve or to worship. So this is something that we work for. Serving God is, is work. It's labor. Um, and, and yet something about it doesn't sound right to us. As we think, you know, didn't, isn't the whole point of why we're here is because we can't do things for ourselves, right? You know, it's because um, didn't God do all the work for me? You didn't, he, he did it all on the cross. Um, and therefore, I don't have to do any work. That's the whole point, right? Uh, well, Jesus did the work on the cross that we were unable to do, and that's, that's the truth. But that work was about salvation, being saved from our sin. Um, the work that we're talking about now um, is worship. You know, we're set free from the bondage of slavery to sin in order that we can become a Christian in order to serve God. And, and the Christian life is not about sitting back and enjoying a free ride to heaven on our Gulf Stream G650 private jet, right? That's not what it's about. Unless you go to Creflo's Dollar Church, then maybe he'll let you ride on his jet with him. Um, but the Christian life is not about a free ride to heaven. It's about walking with Jesus and following him wherever he may go. You've heard the song, right? Following the leader, the leader. If my daughter was trying to have her sing it for you. Following the leader wherever he may go. And where does Jesus go? Jesus goes to a lot of difficult places. 
He seeks out hard situations. Following Jesus can be laborious. It's work, but it's, it's, it's happy work. Okay, serving God, and we do this by serving people. You know, I don't know about you, but I don't like to shop or to dine at places where the, the people that work there treat me um, either as someone underneath them or they just ignore me. Now, we've all had those great, we've all had stories, unfortunately, probably you have, uh, where you were out to eat somewhere and the server maybe ignored you or maybe they kept bringing you the wrong thing or somehow they were out to get you and it's always their fault for some reason. You know, we, and it happens. Um, we've, we've been out to eat before in a place we'd love to go. Uh, the server could have cared less that we were sitting at a table he's supposed to be taken care of, but much more interested in the female server that was also working with him. You know, when you get that situation, it's not, you know, you're kind of in no man's land because you're there and you want to eat. Um, you're not going to say anything bad. You don't want to ruin his chances, right? Um, so you just kind of take it. But serving God is really about serving other people. Serving God can also, um, similar in that, in that aspect, serving the Lord is similar to being a customer service representative, Okay. A customer service rep. And the secret to good customer service is what? The customer is always right. Even though most of the time they're usually wrong. Okay, you guys are smart. Um, The customer is always right even though a lot of times they're wrong and almost a lot of times they can be difficult. You know, Christians are called the ambassadors of God. These are customer service reps. If I'm a Christian, I want my friends to know about God. I'm God's representative to them. I'm not going to call myself their Savior or their Messiah, but I can represent God to that person. You know, your company or your organization is only as good as the person who interacts with your customers. And there are some fantastic companies that make amazing products that suffer terribly because they don't invest in providing for the needs of their customers. You know, people, they, they, they might ignore um, the proper training. They might not hire the best people because they don't pay the most money, and they, they try to cut corners by, by doing away with these you know, front-of-the-house type of people, the people that see customers. And yet, ultimately, if you know anything about business, you know that, that if you ignore the people that deal with the public, ultimately you are going to suffer because that's what the public thinks of your company or your organization. A Christian is a customer service representative in a way of God. It's kind of a scary thing to think about, actually, that people can judge God by the way you act. They have a perception of the entire church, over a billion of us in the world, because of the things that you do or something that you have said. A Christian is God's customer service rep. There's a guy, um, if you actually Google the words, the service imperative, you'll find um, a book written by this man named Carl Albrecht. He says the more that we are faced, and he's writing this to companies as they're dealing with this transition, you know, as, Mer- as America has gone from being, you know, um, this industrial society, and now we're switching over to we provide services more than products necessarily. He says the more that we're faced with high tech, the more we want high touch. And the fewer contacts we have with the people of an organization, the more important the quality of, e- uh, the quality of each contact becomes. 
all contacts with an organization are a critical part of our perceptions and judgments about that organization. The quality of the people contacts, however, are often the firmest and the most lasting. So you are an integral part of the way that God is perceived by others, the way that people contact you if you are a part of the body of Christ. And so this imperative is to serve. And again, we serve God by serving others. Um, and and I've, I've just got a list of, uh, two lists actually. Um, I'll give you the bad news first and I'll give you the good news. Um, so the, this is a, a list. The first list is a reason why I don't want to serve. Or really what holds me back from serving. Why don't I serve? Well, the first reason is that service is sacrifice. If we look at the words of Jesus in John chapter 15, he says that greater love has no one than this, than that a man would lay down his life for his friends. Sacrifice. Sacrifice is giving up something that you want for the good of someone else. Jesus goes to the Last Supper, which we're going to celebrate in a few weeks here with our Monday Thursday service. And as he goes into dinner and he sees that no one has washed his disciples, washed anybody's feet, he goes over and finds the bowl, takes his coat, wraps it around his waist, goes around doing this menial task of a servant. And he goes and washes everybody's feet. And then he commands them afterwards. He says, then if I then, this is John 13, your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, so you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I tell you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a master greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Jesus doesn't say blessed are you if you know these things. He says if you know them, you'll be blessed if you do them. Service is sacrifice. This is not usually the first thing that I want to do. In fact, most of us might even say, I don't even have enough time to do the things I want to do. Why would I want to add on, how could I possibly add on serving God in some way on top of my already busy schedule? I don't have the time. Do we worship God when we have the time for it? Is that our modus operandi? Is that our pattern of behavior? Um, if we do, then we kind of can fall into this pattern that Israel had fallen into back in the time of the judges. Actually, the whole history of Israel is filled with times where people, the Bible says they each did right in their own eyes. So each person did right in their own eyes. God judged them, sent someone to conquer them. He, he, he took over them. Then the people would complain. They'd cry out to God, God, why are you letting this happen to us? Please save us. Then God would send someone to judge them, to destroy their enemies, lead the people back into worship of him, only to see the pattern fall again as that person died and the people would fall back into sin. So if I only do my service when I want to do it, if I only worship God when I want to, then I have a tendency to fall into this pattern of Israel where I'm only going to do it because I feel like doing it. Um, And service really is a sacrifice and and it's not something usually that we want to do. Here's my second reason we don't want to serve. And this is my second reason I don't want to serve is that service is messy. Okay, service is messy. You, that passage we read in, John, or in Matthew 25, Jesus said, If you do unto the least of these, you do unto me. The real problem with service, and I could put one, two, and three, the problems that I don't want to serve is because of people. 
Okay? People, people, people. There's a great um, a businessman who said, our company would be doing awesome if it weren't for the bleeping customers. Right? You know, when I, when I go to serve God by serving others, then I have to get involved in the life of somebody else. And I don't know about you, but lives tend to get pretty messy pretty quickly. It's so much easier to love a puppy than it is to love a person, don't you think? You know, Pastor Randy's got this great little puppy now, and, you know, sure, he might pee or poop on the floor every once in a while, but he's so cute and little, and he didn't do it maliciously, and, you know, he's, he's just nice, and they're small, and, you know, who doesn't love puppies, right? Everybody loves puppies. Um, it's so much easier to love a puppy than it is to love a person, just like it's easier to love a baby than it is to love an adult, because babies don't do anything on purpose. They're just cute, and they're small, and they're little, but what happens when that baby grows up into a man, and they're able to talk back to you. They're able to disobey you on purpose or when they grow into a four-year-old, really. Um, You know, what happens to them? Service is messier more than just that way, though. There's this um, fantastic, uh, amazing interview I was listening to on NPR recently um, about this man in Seattle. He's a pediatric neurosurgeon. His name is Jim Olson. He does cancer research and he deals with um, specifically with brain tumors in children. Okay, and, and, and the person that's interviewing is talking to him, asking him, you know, how could you possibly do this? Why would you want to do this job? Because, you know, yes, while you're able to save some people, more often than not, you're, you're going to some parent and telling them, I'm sorry, your child's not going to make it. He said that early on, as he, was, uh, as he started doing this, one of his first patients was a seven-year-old girl who passed away. And he said that the family actually came down, came to him, they tracked him down, and they came up and gave him a beautiful warm hug. And they said her death to us was as beautiful as her birth. And the reason for that was because of the words you shared with us as we went through this. And we just want you to know that you have a gift that when medicine doesn't go the way you want it to, you can still help families recognize a life doesn't have to be 90 years to be beautiful. Service gets messy. Sometimes, sometimes things don't go the way that we want. How do we respond when that happens? And if we're dealing with people, very rarely are things going to go the way they want to. If you look at that Matthew 25 chapter, that, that Matthew 25 verse, who does Jesus tell us to serve? The hungry? The stranger? The naked? The sick? The incarcerated? See, when service is most needed is in the margins of society. And this is where Jesus takes us oftentimes. If you want to add to that little list, if you turn to James chapter 1, verse 27, and he says that, that religion that's pure and faultless is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction. So if, we're, if we have a tendency to be legalists and we're trying to say, okay, what's the way that I work myself to heaven? Let's just find these lists of people that we need to go and serve. Here it is for you. Go, go find the hungry, the lonely, the foreigner, the naked, the sick, the incarcerated, the orphans, and the widows. Go ahead and serve all those people. That's really tough. There's a lot of baggage there, isn't there? There's a lot of stories behind these faces that, that 30 minutes spent one afternoon is not going to fix anything in their lives because service is messy. 
follow up that one with service can be unsatisfying. Oftentimes God has called us to serve when and where no one else is watching. Jesus said, when you serve or when you give, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. We don't serve for accolades. We don't serve, oftentimes when we serve, there's not an immediate resolve that's present. One of my favorite household chores is, is vacuuming our carpet, our, our, our dark colored carpet. And my favorite, this is my favorite chore because we have a light colored dog. And so his light-colored fur gets in clumps all over the carpet. About every four days, you have to vacuum this thing or you literally see the filth that you're walking in. Okay, and so that's my favorite chore. I just take out my vacuum and I sweep it and I can see these little paths and they're going across and, and, and it's great. It's so rewarding for like a day and a half until you start to notice these things again. And that's when you think, I gotta put the dog down, I gotta leave him out, so, you know, whatever it is, if I really wanted this to be perfect, um, if I, but it's a great chore because I can see my results right away. And oftentimes when God calls us into service, that's not the case. Sometimes when we serve, we don't see what's gonna happen for years, maybe even longer. Sometimes when we serve, it's unsatisfying because our expectations aren't met. We go in with this idea that this is going to happen, and yet when we get to the situation, it's something else entirely. Maybe we feel like we're being underutilized. I've got some special skill or task. There's all this stuff that I can bring to the table, and yet I'm stuck doing some menial chore that anybody could do. I want to work the way that I like to work. I don't want to do things that anybody could do. We've gone on mission trips before, and we've taken architects and engineers and business people, and you know what we've had them do? Move dirt from here to here. And we don't do this, you know, intentionally, but you know what? That's what needs done. And so they spend hours and days and a week moving dirt from here to here. Is that utilizing them to the best of their abilities? No, it's terrible. If you're going to run a, run a business, that's the, that's the worst way possible to use your people. But is that what needed done at the time? Absolutely. So those are three reasons why I don't serve. Maybe you have some more reasons you can add, add to that list as well. You know, why don't you serve? But not only are we called to serve, but we're called to serve with gladness or joy. Um, yesterday, I took my, my four-year-old, Kaylin, fishing. And she has been begging me to take her fishing for about the last six months. On my birthday, she received a fishing rod. I'm not sure why. Okay, so I received a fishing rod, and she received a fishing rod. And, of course, hers is pink, and it's got princesses on it. But, you know, it's a real, it's a real fishing rod. So you can take that, it's a little Fisher Price thing, and you can put a hook and a worm on there, and you can go out and you can go fishing. You have never seen a girl more excited to go fishing than my daughter yesterday. As we said, Kaylin, let's go fishing. And so, of course, we get out there, and this is going to ruin her from fishing for life, because on her first cast, she caught a fish. And so, we're, you know, we're, we're hauling this thing in here, and, and you know, I'm saying, hey, hold it up, so let's take a picture. And she's, she's holding up this little minnow, like, right next to her head, going, you know, so excited. You know, on her second cast, she catches, you know, this, this little bass that's about this big, and I'm going, oh, geez, you know, I can never take her fishing ever again. Um, she was so excited to be fishing. Now, did it matter to her that, that she only held the fishing rod about four times? No. You know, did it matter to her that she wasn't even reeling in the fish? No, she was just so happy and excited and proud. Her fishing was just going and dancing in the grass while Daddy kept putting worms on her hook and throwing them back out there, right? That's the type of joy that we're talking about of serving with. 
So how am I supposed to serve? I'm just not supposed to just serve, but I'm supposed to serve with joy. And how am I supposed to do that when service is so terrible? I give you three reasons why service is terrible. Three reasons why you shouldn't do it. Here's a few reasons why you should, or maybe we can put this, how can I serve with gladness? Let's, let's look at these reasons. One is that service is rewarding. And I just said it was unsatisfying. How is it rewarding? Well, when we look at the big picture, if we understand that life and that all of life that God created is this, this giant big tapestry and recognize that we can see one piece of this grand design of what God has done, we can understand that what we're doing now is just a small part of the bigger picture that God is working out. You may not see the results of your service to God, but that does not mean it is not having an impact. There are people who need what you have to offer, even if all you have to offer is some menial task, even if all you have to offer is a few minutes a week. They need your love, your compassion, your empathy, your support, your encouragement, your skills, your time, your faith, and most importantly, people need your Savior. As God's customer service rep, as you serve, you get an opportunity to give Jesus every time. But in Mark chapter 10, 29 to 31, if you turn there, um, Jesus is, is having an opportunity to, to speak about the sacrifices that people will make for the kingdom. Mark chapter 10, 29 to 31, it says, Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there's no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, and children, and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last will be first. So Jesus gives this great, yes, you will give things up, but you will reap back a hundredfold of what you have sown. Note also that he adds with persecution. So this is not going to be, um, this is not just a, a sow it and reap it type of thing. You'll reap uh, certainly something else. You know, one of the greatest rewards, though, is not in seeing what happens to other people as they have been served, but it's seeing what happens inside of yourself as you serve. It's seeing the way that God transforms you as you faithfully, dutifully walk with him doing these things that he has called you to do. Second reason, or the second way I can serve with gladness is that service is worship. Remember that from the beginning, service is worship. And it's not really about the people that we serve. It's about God. And Christians don't serve because they love people. And in fact, many of the pastors that I know, if you, if you talk to them before they became believers, or some of the cold-hearted, you know, apathetic, um, vile, terrible people that, I, that you would ever met. Uh, I, I have very little compassion for people personally, myself. But I'm not there. I'm not here. I don't serve God because I don't serve people because I like people. I serve God to serve people. I serve people because I want to serve God. It's worship. Romans 12, he says, that, I appeal to you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So your worship is that your body would be a living sacrifice. And a little bit later in chapter 12, verse 11, he says, Don't be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. So not just to do this with a dead attitude, but to do it with zeal and with spirit. And finally, the, the last way that you can serve 
the last reason why you might want to serve is that service can actually be fun. Okay, and this is, this is the Jennifer Cash special quote right here, is that if you talk to Jennifer about our mission trip, what's the, the one thing that she'll, she will come up to you and say, the one thing they don't tell you about these mission trips is they're what? They're fun! You get to, it's like you're camping. You get to wake up every day and put on your overalls and come down with your happy face and eat whatever food they give you. And, you know, you're outside, you're sleeping in the air. And, you know, if you talk to Jennifer, this is like the best thing possible in the world that you could possibly do while you spend your time. Service can actually be enjoyable. It doesn't have to be terribly boring, lonesome, heartbreaking, although a lot of times it is. But service can be fun. It's really fun, especially when your gifts are being utilized. You know, sometimes you can see the transformation happening. All it takes is one time for you to feel fulfilled in your service. But it doesn't happen all the time, but you do it for those fleeting glimpses, those small moments where you understand God allows you to see the result of your work, that one opportunity that keeps you going for years and years and years. You know, why do we put up with the tantrums and um, the shouting and the vomit and the diarrhea and everything that comes with raising children, right? You know, not to mention little kids, but teenagers, right? You know, why do you put up with that? Because at some point, there's some moment of clarity sometime in your day where your son or your daughter will come up to you, give you a big hug and tell you, Daddy, I love you. Mommy, I love you. You know, there are moments that there are some moments that make everything worth it. And they don't happen all the time, but those moments are precious. Serving with gladness. In 1 Corinthians 13, it says, If I give away all I have and I deliver up my body to be burned, but I have not love, I gain what? Nothing. I've got nothing. I can spend all my time serving, and if I don't have the attitude, the spirit of joy about myself, I have profited nothing. If you turn, turn though, to Psalm 16, verse 11, and we'll, we'll kind of close with this passage. The secret of serving. Psalm 16, verse 11 says this, you, make no, you, have made no, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. There is no greater joy than being in the presence of God, hearing him say to us, Come, you who, are, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. That's from Matthew 25. John Piper uses this term, Christian hedonism. You're probably familiar with this term. But if you're not, it's just in response to people who say that Christians are living um, you know, these boring, pleasureless, suffocating lives and that they're giving away all of this earthly pleasure in order to follow this God who may or may not exist. John Piper, in, in, in this verse, would say that's not true. Christians are pleasure seekers. They're seeking true pleasure, true happiness. They're seeking the joy that will last. You know, because Christian joy, it's not about suppression or denial, but Christians are pursuing this different joy, this joy that can only come from following the path of life that is only found in the presence of God. The joy of the godless, Job tells us, is but for a moment. But the joy of the Christian is the pleasures forevermore. 
You know, do you want pleasure? Walk the path of life. Experience the fullness of joy that is only found in the presence of, of the Father, that's only found through the worship of God by the serving of other people. And that way, you will find joy forever. So let's pray. Father God, a lot of us have experiences where we have attempted to serve you by serving others, and God, things just did not go the way we thought they would. God, there have been so many situations and times when we have been hurt or someone else has been hurt as we were attempting to serve in the name of Jesus. And yet, Lord, we know that you have called us to go and serve others. God, that you are especially interested in those who are in the margins of society. And God, you call us to those places, God, not for a moment, but for a commitment of time. Lord, that we would be there to walk with people, to introduce them to you, to be your representative to them. Father, give us the courage, give us the strength, give us the joy that we need to serve you. God, this is something that is only found in you, and it's something that we can only do because of what you have done for us. And we pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.